This is the Pick of the Bunch by Basic Bananas, where we share the pick of the bunch when it comes to marketing, business, and people. Welcome back. This is Christo here. And in this episode, I'm joined by Ezra Firestone. This guy has literally made a lot of money through e-commerce, and he does an amazing job with e-commerce. Um, and just an all-round smart guy. This episode, he shares basically the whole funnel, like the different steps to walk through for your e-commerce store from getting people's attention online, maybe on social media, and then what to do next, 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 all the way through the steps. Um, a really valuable episode, I think really for e-commerce, amazingly valuable episode. And I think also just for anyone, to be honest, because we're all promoting our businesses online nowadays so i think any style of business can get a lot of value out of this episode and um, you guys in e-commerce definitely don't want to miss this one or if you know someone who is uh, in e-commerce it would be really awesome to send them this episode enjoy the show and if you have any comments or any questions or anything share them with basic bananas and we will be more than happy to help enjoy the show so, Mr. Ezra Firestone, thank you so much for joining us from a random Airbnb somewhere. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I, um, you know, I've always liked you guys and uh, have followed you over the years after we met in person a couple times in, in Australia and excited to, um, you know, join your party. Yeah. And, and much the same from, uh, from our end. Uh, you're a good man. I've, I've always uh, been interested as well since we since we met. And um, something you shared with me a while, well, a few years ago, you said once you ate bananas for something like a month straight. Is that right? Um, well, yeah, that is that is true. And out of context, it sounds very strange. Uh, I guess it is strange in general, which is um, I have always sort of been into willpower challenges. And that's, that's been a good thing in my life. Like I am interested in uh, testing my will and, and I will commit to something and then I will do that thing. And uh, one of the other things that I have going for me that I think is a positive is I tend to get enthusiastic about the things that the women in my life are into. And uh, that's just been a historical trait, you know? Um, And so I was hanging out with a lady back in 2005 uh, before I met my now wife, I was a young kid. I was 19, so I was also very impressionable. Um, and she was a raw foodist, and wow. she had this. Yeah, so she was into the raw food. You know, she was reading books like Grain Damage, and she was, she was into that whole trip. Um, and and I, you know, I was up for anything. So I, she wanted me to try this raw food diet, so I did it with her. And and one of the things that she had also gotten into was fasting, and like these extended water fasts. And so. Um, we went and did this 21 day water only fast, which I don't recommend by the way. I think that's like a stupid thing to do in hindsight. Um, but I was young and also, you know, it's like, Hey, if you got some crazy illness right on, but anyways, as part of the way that this particular group of folks handled the fasting thing, the way you came out of it was, was banana only. Um, and, and I wasn't banana only for a month. I, I was eating somewhere around, you know, 
10 plus bananas a day for a long period of time, but I wasn't like only eating bananas. I, I ate a lot of bananas and that, and it wasn't ultimately so good for me health-wise. So, so don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that 10 bananas a day. I don't even know how you could stomach that, but yeah, good, good. You, just so. you build up a tolerance just like anything else, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, these raw food diets are pretty good for short periods of time to clean yourself out or if you live close to the equator. But, but my experience with that whole, um, you know, world was ultimately that was not sustainable for me. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Well, that's good. Cause I wanted to, the, our guys, our, our listeners and the guys on here today to know the kind of person we're dealing with here that we have on the, <laughs> so um, that was a, can you be judged based on your actions as a teenager? I suppose you can, but also I feel like I was not a, like, I was definitely conscious and responsible for my life, but I, I was not um, seasoned, if you will, in yeah. the sort of world of being an adult yet. And so I, was, I did crazy shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably part of your, um, how you are wired, though, that's led to your success, which we'll talk about. And um, that's probably, you know, getting into being such a, I don't know, you know, like almost, you know, like so committed to something, like you said, and committing to a challenge is probably why, how you're wired and led to a lot of your, your business success and um, e-commerce, especially, well, lots of areas now you kind of get all around and um, present on stages all over planet earth and um, e-commerce, you've well literally made, you know, millions of dollars through e-commerce and um What's happening now more and more too, and why it's so awesome for our community to hear from you and some insights from you um, with the whole like world the way it is, changing as it is, the pandemic, um, forcing people to get more online, which I think most people obviously were anyway, but just maybe slower. And what's happened is a lot of like our business people we work with, they're suddenly in a mad rush. You know, it's like now it's all got to be online. I've got to get it right. Um, so a lot of our our people have online stores, but there's sort of been a little sideline thing, whereas they might actually have physical premises, a couple of retail stores, for example, is probably the typical. And then their online store might be like 10% of their sales, whereas, you know, in the past, whereas now they're like, how do I crank this thing up? And so this is where we want to have a little discussion and, and any insights, you know, to do with e-commerce from you. But I guess basically like if someone's got a little store, you know, or they're just starting an e-commerce store. Like what's, how do you get this? What do you do? Like, how do you make this thing? So, so I'm, I'm sure you, you teach this kind of stuff, but I'll just give you the high level. First, if you don't, if you don't know about me, I've been an e-commerce merchant since 2005. So I've been doing this since before the iPhone. And in the last five years, my own brand has generated a hundred million dollars in revenue. And I'm just some dude, right? I'm like some random guy off a couch who decided to do e-commerce one day, got into it at a good time, fell in love with it and worked at it. And so if I can do this, really anyone can. And yeah, I've had a lot of success. And part of that is um, dedication and skill and work ethic and all that. And part of that is right place, right time, you know? Um, so when it comes to e-commerce, and, and I think you guys teach this in your you know, your traditional business training, it's like, you got to get three things right. You got to get people to know you exist. You got to get people to say yes to what you're selling, and then you've got to get people to come back and do business with you again. So one of the things I like to say is that in the market, the best product doesn't win. The best promise wins. Whoever makes the best promise wins. Now, the job of the product 
is to live up to the promise that you made. And if the product doesn't live up to the promise that you made, you're screwed because you can get visibility and you can get conversion. But if you don't get repeat business, it's real hard to, to be successful online today. And I stopped my video because uh, it was blurry and now I can't start it again. And I'm going to ah. um, see if I can figure this out. That's true. Let me, um, I'm probably going to have to make you host again. Let's see what happens here. This would be interesting. Uh-oh. I hope that doesn't ruin the Facebook live. Because <laughs> it basically lets me, I uh, will try it. Hey, we're, you know, we're living. Let's give it a go. We can always do it again or, and you can continue. I can do it in the background if it does. I'm back and it looks like you're still live. Woo. Okay. Yes. Um, thank you. So, so yeah, so, I, so I'd say, listen, there's a couple things you got to get right with e-commerce. One is, is technology. Right. It, it, first and foremost, it's a stack of technology. It's the platform where you're collecting the money and the, the consumers are looking at your products. I like Shopify. There's other ones. There's WooCommerce, BigCommerce, Magento, et cetera. Um, so you got to get that technology stack, which is your, your e-commerce platform, your behavioral automation platform. So the platform that you're using to communicate with people based on what they've done, if they visited your site, if they've seen a product, you're sending them emails. I like Klaviyo. Really with an e-commerce business, you got two ways to communicate, ads and emails. So you need you need to be running ads and you need to be sending emails. But but the first thing is, is get your technology built out properly. And I have an application for Shopify called Zipify Pages, and it helps you optimize your sales pages so that you're more likely to convert when someone does see you. Because before you go out and get visibility and buy traffic, you got to set up the structure such that when somebody visits you, they're going to be likely to say yes to the, the offer that you're making. And so that's things like sales videos and, you know, fast loading website for mobile and what I call conversion asset stacking. So my kind of theory is that, hey, you know, your business is simply just a bunch of conversion assets stacked together in a particular order that support you and your goal, which is a conversion and your customer and their goal, which is a solution to their problem. Conversion assets, a testimonial, a video, an image, a piece of copy, so on and so forth. And so you're sort of aggregating these conversion assets and you're stacking them together in a particular way such that when you go out and get someone's attention on social media and you put them onto your website, they're likely to then convert because they're seeing all the things they need to see in order to be able to say yes. Um, that's kind of like a high level without getting too technical of, of what we're doing. We're generating visibility through paid amplification and we're sending people through sales processes that are optimized to get them to say yes to the products we're selling. And then we're actually selling good products. We're not selling bullshit. So that when someone gets our product and we follow up with them, we say, hey, how was it? Will you send me a video? I'll give you $10 to my store if you send me a video talking about why you love my product. We're getting good testimonials. We're using those as our ads. We're using those in our emails. We're creating other products that we can upsell and cross-sell these folks. So it's like, if you don't have a good product, nothing I can teach you will help. Mm. That comes first. Yeah, yeah. We say you can't trick the world, can you? Well, it's not sustainable. You can you can get a quick win, but you're not going to last very long. And uh uh, and no matter what, you're not going to be a bestseller sustainably, which is always the um, trust of your market. We always say is the most important thing. Like your goal is to always be a trusted advisor, not someone that's squeezing them for every last cent just for your own agenda. Um, basically, yeah, it's not not going to work for you. So what like you you in terms of like creating a like like the store? What do you focus on? Like if you're if you're looking at your own store and you're doing a review. Um, Obviously, like there's going to be things, you know, products that might be best sellers or more lucrative or like, like, what so are there, you? There's really, there's two assets to get right 
to start. Asset number one is the sales video and or advertisement that you are leveraging on social media mm -hmm. to get people's attention. Because the first step, you got to get someone's attention to get them over to your site. So, so asset number one is the video. I use a formula called Love Demo Love, also known as the testimonial sandwich that I sort of innovated that now thousands of my students are using, which is a face to camera customer testimonial with one or more people, boom, 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 talking about what is the ownership benefit of this product? Not what does it do? Not what are the features of it? But like, what's the benefit of owning it? So someone expressing love for the product and what it did for them. Then a demonstration of the product in use, in use being used in its intended environment, and then more love. That, and then, you know, I've got other formulas and stuff, but that's my winning formula is love demo love right now across the board that that works more often than anything else. And anyone can create that. And I can send you some examples to show your community of the ones we are currently running. But that's asset number one is like, hey, the advertisements that you're putting out in front of people to get their attention, those have to be done well. And those have to work. They have to actually thumb stoppers, man. It's got to mm. stop the thumb while they're scrolling. Awesome. And, um, and you need... A, a two minute and under video for Instagram, ideally a longer than two minute video for Facebook and YouTube, a 15 second video. So I take the same video and I cut them up in different ways so I can reach all the placements available on Facebook. But mm -hmm. asset number one, advertisement. I got a whole mini course that I teach on Shopify's compass where I talk through how to do this well. Shopify's got like a um, educational program. I teach a Facebook course for them and I go through in depth on all this stuff. I can give you a link to it. Then the second asset, most e-commerce sales processes, and I'll give you my poker chips. I used to be a professional poker player. Video asset. Really? Yeah, it's a long story, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the underground scene in New York City, man. <laughs> Sunny Franchisi, Joey Two-Tone, Johnny Cupcake. Those what guys. was your uh, nickname? I was Johnny. How you, Johnny, how you doing? Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so we'll talk about that one another We can get back to that, yeah. It yeah. was uh, Those were the, bad, the old days, the bad days, the all or nothing days. I don't recommend those days. Um, but, uh, but they were fun and uh, ultimately um, dangerous and degenerate, just a degenerate lifestyle that you don't really want. Ultimately, that your, your lady who you shack up with when you're 20 decides, no, you can't go live this life. Like, you got to get a square job. And that's what I Very New me, York but... in my opinion. Sounds so New York. But yeah. <laughs> so, so you got your video ad and then you've got, and this is what most e-commerce sales funnels look like, is straight to a product offer page. That's it. Those are the only two assets you got. You got your advertisement. And you got your product offer page and pretty much every seal e-commerce sales funnel you will see will go from advertisement online to product offer page. So the second asset that you have to get right is not the whole website, not the homepage, the about us, the contact us, the more information, the why buy from us, the shipping information, the privacy policy, the terms and conditions, the refund policy, the blog, none of that shit product offer page. If you get that right, all the other rest of it can be bad and you'll still do well. And the product offer page is, um, complex because it's different on mobile than it is on desktop because those are two different environments where people are consuming mobile needs a little bit less content needs to load a little quicker desktop can be a little bit longer form but but the product offer page is made up of four elements your header your carousel of images your buy box and your stacked conversion support content so an e-commerce offer page whether it's a long form sales page whether it's a traditional e-commerce offer page that's just got a buy box and tabbed information, whether it's like a mini site, no matter what layout you're using, you're going to have those four elements, header, carousel of images, buy box, and uh, long form 
stacked version support content. Let me explain to you what you need to do well in each. And I, I teach this on zipify.com, but, but the header, most people's headers take up way too much of, the, of their site on top and mobile desktop, no more than 20% mobile, no more than 10% shouldn't be taking up a whole lot of space. The header on mobile could be sticky with a call to action in it. The header shouldn't have a whole bunch of places for people to navigate to. It should have a link to the shopping cart, couple relevant links, link to the homepage. That's it. So, so your header needs to support the sale process, which on an e-commerce product offer page probably means being sticky with a call to action in it or a call to action stuck at the bottom to add the product to the cart while they're scrolling. So you got your header, some things you can do there. Then you've got your carousel of images. Most people screw this up. Your images is like all you have when you're selling a physical product online. So you need at least nine looks in your carousel and you need both the product on white and the product being used in its intended environment. So lifestyle images, in-context images, and nice. traditional product images. That carousel needs to load quickly. You need to have images that are rendered for mobile devices versus images that are rendered for desktop. So that, and we do this for you. If you upload a, a, an image to our page builder on Shopify, we create 15 versions of it and we load the proper one for the proper device that the person is on for page load speed because your page has to load quickly. Okay, you got your carousel. Now you have your buy box. Most people in their buy box, they got the price and the call to action button and the name of the product. That's not good enough. Your buy box is your opportunity to recap the, the value proposition. So I open with a customer testimonial instead of the product name, people know what your product is. They saw the video on Facebook. You don't, they don't need the name of the product. I put social proof at the top of the buy box, wins the split test every time. So customer testimonial, ownership benefit statement. What is the benefit of owning this product? one sentence and then two sentence recap of sort of like what it is they're buying the features and whatever else. So that's my kind of buy box copy formula, a little bit of copy in the buy box. Of course, you got your quantity selector and your, you know, under, under the add to cart button, we put a money back guarantee. So there's some security. You can put your unique selling propositions and image format under the add to cart button, but that's your buy box. So header carousel buy box. Now we've got our stacked conversion support content, which is all the rest of the content that's supporting that people are going to scroll. There's going to be call to actions interspersed or a sticky call to action. that will take them back up to buy. And that is all kinds of stuff. That's, you know, FAQ, that's social proof, maybe videos of customers who like the product that's features and benefits. That's all the kind of traditional marketing stuff. And those are kind of the elements of your offer page. So if you get the ad right and you get the offer page, right. And you're on a half decent platform like Shopify, you're going to do well. Now you can, you can add to this by doing things like trying to collect someone's email address when they visit your site with a pop-up. You can do things like having an uh, abandoned cart automation sequence, a post-purchase automation sequence, e emailing people when they abandon your shopping cart, emailing people after they buy from you to generate user generated content. Remarketing sitting there as well. Yeah, you know, the folks who abandon the sales page, following up with them with ads, you can do all that kind of stuff. But if you, but even if you suck at marketing, if you get those two assets right, you will do well in e-commerce. Compelling, engaging, relevant value add sales video and successful product offer page. You could fail at automation. You could fail at email marketing. You could fail at cart abandonment. You could fail at all this stuff. Those two assets will take you very far in this game. And so I spend a lot of time focusing on how to in, ever improve those assets. And, you know, in my life, in my relationship life and my business life and my, my relationship to myself and my body, I take an optimization approach, which is, hey, things are good now. And what can I do to improve them? 
how can I show up every day and look and, and acknowledge what is currently good and also look for where I can improve. And if you're taking that approach to your business, you always find shit that you can make better. And you ask people for help and you, you talk to folks like you and you say, Hey, what do you see that I could do better? And you take that advice to heart and you implement it. And so, so there's just a lot of room to continually make those two assets better. And the better you get at those two assets, the better everything else works. That's awesome. So this is really cool. And then let's say from there, they've got, so you got their attention, you got on the page they buy, hopefully, you know, or, and as you mentioned, which is awesome, you look for ways to follow them up. Um, what if they buy um, like a couple of scenarios? So they don't buy, I guess you've, you said, we like look for ways to try and get their details so we can convert them over time. Um, if they buy, what do you, what do you do from there? Like to kind of optimize or to get people to back, I guess it might depend on what product they bought, obviously, but do you have a bit of a kind of a structure to get the, so, so the first there? thing to do is pre-arrival excitement building, which nobody does for some reason, but it's like, Hey, someone just spent money with you. Someone trusted you enough nice. to get, to pull out their credit card and spend, they work most of these folks, right? They're not entrepreneurs, not crazy people like us. Most of them are like blue collar working folks who are deciding to take that money that they work for and spend it with you. And then you're just like, Hey, great. I'm going to ship you this thing. And that's it. That's the end of it. You did all this work to get someone to pay, pay you money for yeah, your thing. Yeah. And now you're not hyping them up and being like, Oh damn, this thing is coming. And look, Sally over here used it. And this is what happened with her. And the more excitement you mm -hmm. build for the product, the more they like the product, because the more excited they were about it showing up, you actually literally improve the product by building anticipation for it. Because mm. listen, um, perception is reality. And if they perceive value when they receive the thing because they were in a heightened emotional state because of your marketing, you have actually made the thing better. If that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. We do, it's funny because um, a lot of, we do that, we actually call it an excite sequence because the um, when someone books for a workshop, so say they booked in for a workshop, it's obviously slightly different to sending an e-commerce product we have a sequence which we call how do we get them totally excited and they're working on things and they've got value before they even arrive um, because obviously yeah, we're teaching lessons at the workshop. So it's like, how do we get them pumped? Part of your product is your customer's emotional experience in relating with you. You have to take that into account. You have to take responsibility for their relationship to you and your brand and the experience of receiving your product. It's not just the thing in the box. It is the experience of doing business with you. You know how nice it is when you get to a nice hotel and then there's like a little fruit platter and a little note, and maybe a, mm -hmm. it's like, it changes your experience of the product. Yes. So, so I do some pre-arrival excitement builders. Um, you know, then I let them know the product arrived Then I'm sending them content. I'm upselling and cross-selling. Hey, we have this other product you should buy. You know, it complements the thing you have after they've received their product. Um, and then I do, so I've, I've got my sort of pre-arrival sequence, I've got my upsell, cross-sell sequence, interspersing value-add content the whole way. And then I've got my UGC sequence. And in UGC, I'm looking for a couple things. I'm looking for a post-purchase survey what, that, I, that I want them to fill out that, that says, hey, what could I have done better? What products should I make? What, you know, who else did you consider buying from? I get a lot of information that then informs my marketing strategy and my product development strategy. And that populates into a Slack channel. And I read every one of those. And I learn more about my business from reading those post-purchase customer surveys, and I get hundreds a week than anything else because it's, and I'll, I can send you the list of the questions that we ask. It's e-commerce specific, but maybe it would be helpful. Um, and so I got that. I'm asking them to fill out a survey. I'm asking them to go follow me on social. 
join Instagram, join. Uh, I, I run a selfie contest every month. So I say, hey, listen, enter once and you're entered to win for life. And you can get extra points by following us on Instagram, subscribing to us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, upload a selfie, hashtag it pro age or whatever the hashtag is. And then we'll use that on our website and in our marketing and you'll be entered to win free products for life. And then every month we pick people. So I do that. I also do what's called an incentivized video review request where I say, hey, listen, I'll give you a $10 gift certificate to my store if you shoot a video on your iPhone holding up with the product that you bought, talking about why you love it, what it did for you, why you'd recommend it to somebody and what your experience was like shopping with us. And those videos become our best ads. So it's kind of like my post-purchase automation sequence. And once that's over, I'm sending out, I mean, I, as I mentioned, my, my main brand does about $30 million a year in revenue. So it's very big. We've got a big team. It's, it's, it's evolved to become almost like a television network with multiple channels. I'm putting out three pieces of content every week uh, into perpetuity, which are, you know, makeup demonstrations, sustainability content, uh, articles about the experience of being a woman over 50 and menopause and your hair silvering and your hormones shifting and your skin's changing, um, you know, ambassador videos. Like I've got, I'm putting out content all the time. And hey, listen, when I first started, it was one piece of content a month that I was curating, right? It was like, hey, you know, here's Emerald Gossi slicing an onion. You want to slice an onion like that? Buy my knife, like that kind of shit, right? So, so it's like, I've gone from one piece of content a month to three pieces of content a week plus remails. In addition to that, I'm running a sale every six weeks. In addition to that, I'm launching a product once a quarter. So I'm doing all kinds of stuff ongoingly, but I'd say the most important time frame is that first 30 days after they buy. So that post-purchase automation sequence, and then the 14 days following that post-purchase automation sequence where you are putting out content, upselling and cross-selling, trying to add value, build a relationship. And the better you do in that 30 days, the better your lifetime customer value for your brand. Mm, this is awesome. It's really cool. The um, Not only the fact, because I think most people's focus is always like the upsell part, like, you know, what will they buy, most likely buy in sequence. However, then you're turning them into your best marketers, as you've just said, and um, and even giving them a voucher. Like, I think that's okay. It's like you're, you're paying them, you know, like, um, you know, it's like, we, we'll give you this off for your next purchase, which also helps you get the next purchase. Um, it's hard something- to get somebody to do something without an incentive if you're just some random brand that they are not yet connected to. Yeah. You know? yeah. And incentivized marketing is smart marketing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you, you're going to spend it anyway. You're going to spend more than that on likely to get a new customer through the door. The good thing is, in a strange, magical way, I think when people do a testimonial, um, you know, their own belief goes up in your products at the same time as them saying, because it's like they've verbalized how much they love it. So, and the fact that you've given them a discount, they're going to come back and buy anyway. So you're, you're likely locking in a sale from them and you're getting marketing material from them. So it's a uh, kind of a win, 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 win. win, win, win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, what are you like in terms of, um, this is where I find e-commerce kind of confusing because people have so many products sometimes uh, we have some customers of ours that might do $500,000 a month and then some with like fashion brand. Then there's some that might do, you know, they're, they're lucky to do a thousand a month in sales. Um, but there's all these different products. And as they grow, how do you, like, are there specific numbers you keep an eye on with like each product? You know, obviously 
Um, we do a bit of this with like advertising and stuff, but I'd love to hear your take on it. It's like, is there something you look at a product and you go, this one's not producing X, Y, Z, cut it or focus on this or how the so hell do you got, keep it? You got two you different. Uh, you, so I'll give you some baseline strategies, but I also want to acknowledge there's two different models. There's multi-skew e-commerce, hundreds of SKUs, yeah. low margin, query based. And then there's, so query based meaning generally with a multi-skew store, we got a thousand products and there's all there, you know, let's say, let's say, let's, let's go to an extreme example. And I used to do this, right? I, I, I was America's number one mullet wig and Afro wig and Elvis wig retailer in 2008, 2009, 2010. So uh, there's still pictures of me. <laughs> another remarkable fact of Ezra. This yeah, I got, I got a lot of crazy shit that I've been through, but, um, but anyways, that brand was like a thousand SKUs and generally those multi-SKU retailers are, um, leveraging long tail query based traffic, you know, red mullet wig, right. Kenny powers wig, you know, 1950s Elvis wig. So I'm, I'm depending on people typing in queries, I'm bidding on those queries. I got a whole bunch of products that meet all these super long tail queries. Very specific. And I'm and I'm and I'm retailing at low margins, doing high high dollar volume. You know, low low low. Probably not the best profit in the world, but enough volume that it that it ends up working. So that's kind of like one model. Great model can work. More complex, better if you're drop shipping. Not the greatest model if you're inventorying. Right. That model works if you're you know you you, you list fifty thousand items on your store. You bid on 50,000 keywords on Google. When you make a sale, you then hit up your drop shipper and say, hey, go ahead and ship this item to this person, right? So you're not housing the inventory yourself. You're not responsible for it. If you're going to house the inventory for yourself and if you're going to be responsible for it, generally you're running a lower SKU retailer, right? You've got maybe like I have 15, 20 SKUs. Um, and even if you are housing the, the product yourself and you've got a whole bunch of SKUs and you're a physical retailer who has an online store, you still want to operate your business like a multi, like a low skew retailer. And let me explain that. So, so I'm a low skew retailer, right? I've got 20 SKUs, which is, you know, 15 products. And some of them have multiple variations. When you have a brand like that in general, and when you have a, even a big multi skew retail brand, it's the old school, James Shramko, you know, 80, 20, 64, four, where, where, you know, 4% of your product is, bringing you 64% of your sales revenue, 20% of your product is bringing you 80% of your sales revenue. Mm. So you really want to figure out what those are and only focus on customer acquisition for them. All the rest of the products are back-end upsell, cross-sell. You have one or two customer acquisition funnels, right? For me, for example, I have one funnel that I acquire customers for. It's my multi-purpose blush sticks. People come to me for that. All my front-end acquisition is for that one product. And then all my other stuff, I upsell, cross-sell on the back-end. Purple oh, wow. Mattress, the same way. Dr. Axe, the same way. So generally, these big brands kind of have one, you know, Harry's, Dollar Shave Club, one front-end yeah. sales funnel. Now, you can have multiple, but there's some things you got to pay attention to. One is, at a minimum, you buy for one and sell for three. And ideally, you buy for one and sell for six. So mm. you're not going to make it in today's world. If you buy for five, ideally, you're selling for 25 to 30, which would be a buy for one, sell for five to six, right? Yeah. If you're buying for six, ideally, you're selling for, you know, uh, um, 30 to 35 or 30 to 36, right? So you, so you buy for six, you sell for 30. That's a, that's a buy for one, sell for five. So you buy it for a dollar, sell it for five bucks. You buy it for 10 bucks. Now you can, you can drop down to that sort of sell it for 30. You can be that one, to th the more expensive the product is, 
the lower that multiple needs to be. I, as an example, you know, buy, I have certain products that I buy for 10, I sell for 30. My main product, I buy for five, I sell for 25. So, so I'm, I'm doing at a minimum buy for one, sell for three, and I'm striving towards that buy for one, sell for six. That's kind of like what you need to make it in today's with, with the price range of most people's products, the higher the price of the product, the lower that multiple can be. Now, the other can thing I that you need, that, can I just ask yeah. you, so, so in terms of buy, um, so let's say we buy for a dollar and we sell it for five, are you, you're meaning the, the product cost, not, not marketing costs, just purely just the pure product cost, pure product done, maybe yeah. cost of goods versus what, what your retail value is. So, yeah. so if it costs me $5 to get a tub of goop in the, you know, filled, I buy the tub, I fill it with the organic goop, really good goop. Put a label on it, shrink wrap it, ship it to my 3PL that's going to ship it to customers. If my landed cost is five bucks, have to sell that thing for 25. And reason being is you need enough of a profit margin. This is where most people screw their businesses up is most people's businesses are not screwed up from bad marketing and bad product. It's from mismanagement of finances, not understanding they got to pay quarterly taxes, not understanding profit margins, not understanding inventory carry. Mismanaging finance is what sinks businesses generally. Um, so in e-commerce, ideally you're buying for one and selling for five. And ideally your average order value is over $50. If you're not in it, look, Hey, this is ideal. You can make it work in any, this is, these are my ideal scenarios. You can make it work in any other, you know, in scenarios that aren't this, but, but if your average order value is over 50 bucks, then, and you're buying for one and selling for five, you've got $40 in profit that you can afford to go spend 30 of that on marketing, right? To acquire a customer at the top of the funnel. Um, and another barometer that you want is, let's say you're, let's just say you're, you're kicking ass and your average order value is $100. Unlikely, but just for ease of math, okay? And your profit on that $100 is, let's say, 80 bucks. Let's say it costs you 20 bucks for the product. Profit is 80, okay? You don't want to spend more than double your profit to acquire a customer at the top of the funnel. So you would never spend more than 160 to acquire a customer. Here's why. And I'll make the math much simpler. I'll go to $10. If you are selling a product for 10 bucks, that costs you two, you have $8 in profit, okay? If you spend more than 16 at the top of the funnel, even with remarketing and loyalty and upsell cross-sell, it's hard to make up the $8 deficit because now you're in an $8 deficit. You made $8 in profit, but you lost eight because you, you, you know, you, you spent 16 to sell a product where you only made eight bucks. So, so ideally you never spend more than double your profit per order at the top of the funnel. Now let me explain this to people, I'll give you my real numbers in my business. I spend between 40 and $80 to acquire a customer in the awareness pillar, meaning no, they've never heard about me before. Okay. Never heard about me before. I spend between 40 and 80 bucks. Now in the remarketing pillar, I spend between 20 and $40 to acquire a customer. And in the look, which is people who have engaged with my ads or my site, never bought from me. I'm remarketing to them in the loyalty pillar. I spend between five and $20 to acquire a customer, which is people who bought from me once before I'm getting them to remarket to me. So, so I spend 40 to 80 at the top of the funnel. 20 to 40 in the middle of the funnel and, and five to 20 at the bottom of the funnel. Now my average order value is 80 bucks, right? 85, but five is shipping. So 80 bucks on that 80 bucks. I make, let's say 50 in profit. Okay. 
So I would never want to spend more than a hundred at the top of the funnel mm. to buy a customer because if, if, because even with the fact that remarketing and loyalty are profitable and I've got my email list, it's really hard to overcome the deficit of double of being negative, double your profit. I don't know if I'm explaining this right. I'm having to yeah, yeah. help me out here. No, no, that Mr. makes Elkins. sense. It's good. Like, and hearing what you're saying, you, you, um, you don't want to go into minus for like almost like a full, um, a full another sale at least of like a, with which would have a, have to have a you'd have to make a second sale claiming your entire profit like it was ten dollars and you make eight you'd have to get that full eight but you're actually not even going to get that full eight on the next sale because there's going to be like you said there's yeah. going to be tax there's going to be shipping there's going to be electricity there's going to be internet there's going to be so that eight you're not still going to make it so you're actually waiting on like Right. You know, like you're gonna get- you look at my business, it's perfect. Ideally, you self-liquidate at the top of the funnel. So basically, I'm buying customers for 80 bucks at the top of my funnel. I only make 50 on that. Sometimes I'm buying them for 50. So now I'm broke even at the top of the funnel. That's ideal. Self-liquidating offer. You break even at the top of the funnel, but remark you, but when you're doing that, you're filling your coffers for remarketing and loyalty. And then you make a whole bunch of profit because even though you didn't make any money on the first order. Of, of, of the initial people that came in, you filled your buckets for free of people who will convert. So now you're profitable in remarketing, you're profitable in loyalty. And so I always say, if you have a self-liquidating top of funnel e-commerce, any, any, any brand that has a self-liquidating offer at the top of the funnel is a eight, eight figure brand. You'll make $10 million a year with that brand. And that has been my experience. Every time I've been able to achieve a self-liquidating offer at the top of my funnel, which is what I currently have with boom. I spend between 40 and 80. Now 80, I'm negative 30 on that first mm-hmm. sale, right? I only make 50 bucks in profit on a sale after cost of goods. So I'm negative at least 30 bucks when I spend 80 bucks. Now that's not including staff salary and shit like that, but I'm negative at least 30, but I've now filled my coffers with so many people in remarketing and so many people mm-hmm. in loyalty that I make up that 30 and more, but I'm not more than double. I'm not at that hundred. If I was spending hundred bucks at the top of the funnel, I would be more than double my profit on the initial order, which you can't make up in my experience. Mm, in e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. This is, so, this is awesome. And and I think what, um, what something too, for the, cause for the guys listening that have a decent volume, you get familiar with what kind of upsells and on sales you, you can achieve. Like when you've got decent volume coming through for those who are smaller, you might not have the, you might not really know, like if you break even or you lose 30 bucks on your first sale, you're probably panicking. Um, because you haven't got to the point where you've got enough people flowing through just yet. So you need to start very early paying attention to those conversions from the, the next steps with yeah, and more figures. So he, as you he, increase it. Here's the way to think about that. Your business is a garden and you've planted seeds that you're watering. And what happens with most people is they water those seeds for a year and the seed actually sprouts below the soil but it's not spring yet. It hasn't broken, right? But it, you've got all these assets. You've got, you've got the custom audiences, the email addresses. You've got all this shit that is going to turn into a wonderful plant, but you stop watering it because you don't see anything. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a reason why most businesses don't reach the multi-million dollar level or six-figure or seven-figure level till years three, four, and five because the first couple years are just watering that garden, the compounding effort. Like the idea is, Most people are asking from their business, what can I take out of it? That is a misguided approach. The approach is what can I put into it and how long can I defer taking anything out of it? For me, I didn't take anything out of boom for five years. I just put, I said, Hey, listen, I got a side job where I'm doing consulting and I've got other stuff 
and I'm just going to put everything that this business does, I'm going to put back into it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take $2,000 a month for three years and I'm going to invest that in advertising. So I'm just looking at that as I'm never going to see that money again. It's an investment in the future of what the, eventually if the snowball gets big enough, I can start scooping from it. But the idea is what can you put in and for how long and how much can you water that garden and how much fertilizer can you put into it? And how long can you defer taking anything from it? Cause the longer you do that, the the better chances it is that in three years, four years, five years, it's going to be super successful and you'll be able to start living off of it. And most people cut their legs out from under them because they start pulling from it as soon as it starts to be successful. And it's like, yeah. no, get a fucking side hustle, pay your bills with, with 20 hours a week of consulting or some shit and give your plant the chance to grow instead mm -hmm. of chopping it. As soon as it grows a peach, you pull it off and now yeah, it's got rip no the, rip all the legs off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We said we had to say that. I'd say that a lot too. It's like you just strangle the growth. There's just it, it, you can't. Um, yeah, you got to lift it up rather than just pull, rip it down, kind of thing. We we see it like you know with basic bananas as, as running since 2009 as basic bananas, and there'll be people sometimes even attend their first event with us that have been in our database for eight years, and it, and Isn't it just the best it happens thing in the world. Isn't it great? I know. People, some people look at me and they're like, "This what? It took that long to decide? And I'm like, how good is that? Their decision-making period was that to that and they followed us for that long. So we might have spent, you know, 80 bucks to get their attention back then and now we've been paid back. You know, like it's just like that pool of, um, of, of people like following. And, and think about what an asset that is. I mean, you've got these folks who you've added value to their life and they know who you are. And you have, I mean, the, every year that you do that, every year that asset grows, every year you extend the life cycle and lifeline of what this business will produce for you. There are people now who aren't going to buy from you for four years, but yeah. four years from now, you're going to be capitalizing on some watering that you did right now. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. yeah. How good is it? I know. It's like, it's like, it's a valuable, it is the asset, isn't it? That's, that's the, the asset. It's the, it's the trust you have with the people and building those systems to, to maintain those that audience to make the garden flourish. And, uh, and like, like you said, there's always going to be times when it does, when it does bloom and things go better and, and happen easier. Um, I like, I like the, like you were saying too, just those numbers that you've touched on, that was super valuable. Um, I think for everyone. Yeah, I'm not saying go out and spend double your profit to acquire a customer. Ideally yeah. you spend less than that, right? Ideally at the most you break even, you know, self-liquidating offer, but be mm -hmm. willing to spend up to double your profit for testing and, you know, scaling. And, and the more you work on it, the better you get. And ultimately you don't have to do that. But if you're not willing to do that, you don't give yourself enough space to figure out what's going to work. Yeah. 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 You got to know them. It's, we, in our space, we know like the number per how much we can spend on advertising per bum on seat in the room. Cause we know how many of these bums are going to convert to joining our program. So we actually know the value to us of every seat and we know how much we can spend to get a, a bum on the seat. So it's, um, that's kind of similar, similar ish how we work. And we, and we might lose a bit of money on that initial, um, initial attendance of an event. However, then the, the percentage that goes on and we make later down the track comes through like tenfold. Um, yeah. Which is which is how how we work, mate. This has gotta been play so the long game, baby. You got to play the long game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Trusted advisor, not not a rape and pillage. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's like it's one of these things where I, I often, you know, hey, you and I have been had the great fortune of 
and opportunity to relate with and hear from thousands of entrepreneurs over the years, you know, and that gives us a certain perspective that you're not able to get if you don't have that opportunity. And one of the things that I've realized about our community of entrepreneurs is most people are looking way too short in the future. First of all, they're paying attention to what's right in front of them and trying to solve the problem for today. And they don't get up and look at it at a high level and figure out where they're going a year or two years from now. And when they do, they're only looking at a year or two years from now. If you are not taking actions today towards a vision that is at least five years from now, you're not playing a long enough game. I mean, boom is 10 years old and it didn't make a million dollars in a year until year five. But I knew when I started it, it could be a $50 million a year plus brand. And I knew that it would take time and I invested in it. Same thing with Smart Marketer. I was like, I started Smart Marketer in 2012. It's 2020 now and it's doing six, $7 million a year being an information publisher and software as a service provider at a very high profit margin. And, it, and I knew that it was a five-year game plan to get where I wanted to go and that there was no rush and I was going to keep at it. And I was going to make sure that I was feeding my family and, and paying for my life through work that wasn't this particular thing that I was trying to build so that it would have space to allow me to build it. And it's like, you've got to be looking further than six months to a year down the road. You've got to be taking strokes now towards your vision that it's five years from now. And five years goes by quick. Time is a interesting concept and it's both fast and slow all at the same time. And hey, I'm not very old, so I can't talk shit, but like, <laughs> you know, I've experienced five years going by like that several times over and I'm not that old. So it's like, you really do have five years. And if you're willing to give yourself that much space, you free yourself up. You don't feel the pressure and the intensity. You're like, okay, I got time. I got time to invest. I got time to make the right decisions. I got time to get help. I got time to slow down and plan. Like you give yourself space to really achieve something. Yeah. Awesome. Mate, this has been so good. So valuable. Um, I'm sure listeners are going to want to know how to stalk you, how to find you, how to look you up and how can they learn more from you? What's the, uh, you, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm hanging out mostly these days on social media. It's at Ezra Firestone on the Instagrams. Um, and then I'm also, I got a blog called smartmarketer.com, um, which is like my courses and my entrepreneurial journey and stuff like that, where we teach all kinds of fun stuff. So those would be like, probably think the two main places, follow me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. If, if, if Facebook's your jam, I'm there. If Twitter's your jam, I'm there. If LinkedIn's your jam, I'm there. YouTube, I'm over there. I'm on all these places. Instagram, you get to watch the stories, which gives you a window into my life beyond business, which I think is kind of fun. Um, and in smartmarketer.com. Awesome. There we go. And we'll put the links in the, the show notes. So if you're tuning in on, well, anywhere that you listen to the podcast, check in the show notes and we'll add the links in there as well. So you can always find Ezra or if you completely forget, let us know and we'll put you in touch. We'll share the links. The team here at Basic Bananas will send them through. Thank you. You are a good man. Thanks, appreciate it. Super fun. Appreciate you yeah. having me on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for taking time out of you. I know you've got a busy schedule and a good life to live. So uh, it's, a, it's a good life to live. And um, we will definitely have to get a surf next time you're in, uh, in Australia when we can travel again, or if uh, we sync up somewhere around the world. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to be in uh, on the North shore of Oahu um, January 1st through 24th. So if you guys find yourself over there, uh, it, waves are probably going to be too big for me because I'm out of practice. 
at that time, but maybe South Shore can mix it up. And uh, and I would like to come back and uh, visit James and Manly and and get a surf in. So I you know I'd love that sometime in the next couple of years, make it happen. Yeah, awesome. I'll look for it. Definitely, uh, let me know if you. And if you there. ever find yourself in New York, hit me up, man. Oh yeah, totally. Will do. Thank you so much. Cool. It's been awesome. Cheers. Well, uh, we'll uh, call it a wrap there. I don't think there's this question box is clear, so we're good. Thanks, mate. You're awesome. Yay. To get more from Basic Bananas and to learn new ways to grow your business with clever marketing, visit basicbananas.com.